Hello friends! This is People Are Interesting with Jan K. In each episode of this show, unique individuals share stories that take us on a ride across ideas and places. Featuring crocodile attacks in Indonesia, escaping war-torn Lebanon, and shark protection schemes in Mauritania. This podcast takes you where you've never been before. Enjoy and thank you for joining the club. Okay, so you found yourself in Maldives around, um, and you spent there around a year. Yeah, so I moved, um, well, like, uh, it was October, September 2018 uh, until about July 2019, so right before I started my master's degree. Okay. Um, Mm-hmm. And you, so, a marine biologist, why do they? Why do the hotels need to have someone like that on site? Um, I mean, I imagine. So basically, the Maldives is like you said. It's um, it's an archipelago. Yes. So there's about, if I remember correctly, a little over a thousand four hundred islands, or it might be thousand two hundred. Anyways, about a thousand. Um, and split into different atolls. Mm-hmm. So an atoll is sort of like a chain of islands um, in like sort of ring-shaped or something like that. You know, like mm-hmm. if you if you look closely at how these islands are laid out, you'll see. Um, and they're spread over, um, so from the southernmost island to the northernmost island, there's about 800 kilometers. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's actually quite big. And it's all tiny islands so i think if i remember correctly the biggest island is about i want to say four to five kilometers long not longer than 10 kilometers like they're really small you know and mostly mostly they're way way smaller than that so essentially the country is 99 percent water mm-hmm. and um most of these resorts, and it's not volcanic or anything, so they're just islands, just basically sandbanks and stuff that stick out, you know. Um, so uh, it it and the Maldives hosts about I want to say about three percent of the world's coral reefs. Um, it's since it's like mostly water snow and it's tropical and everything. So um, all of these resorts are built on individual islands. And the Maldives, I don't know if, if people have looked at pictures of the Maldives at all, like very postcard wise, you know, like you see these water bungalows or water villas that are constructed basically above the water. So on columns uh, around the coral reefs. Uh, and so that you basically have a, a water villa like above the water level, you know, and that's mm-hmm. what makes it so luxurious and everything. That's what the Maldives are known for. Um, so essentially, um, you know, every resort has its own coral reef and everything. And I mean, um, to build these constructions, these, these, uh, this infrastructure, a lot of it has had to be destroyed as well. I mean, it's not realistic to expect that they will build them around, you know, so um, sadly, a lot of the coral reefs around the resorts are not in great shape just because, I mean, also because just general climate change and everything, which I can get into later, but um, also because just of the construction of, um, of the resort itself, you know. 
So in, in essence, um, you know, I think they just kind of place marine biologists there. I mean, it depends on the, on the resort. Some put more importance into it than others. I think I'm not quite sure if it's just uh, as a sort of show off, like, hey, we have a marine biologist on board because, you know, like the, the most precious resource of the Maldives is the water and the coral reefs and, you know, the biodiversity. Uh, in the water. So it's something that most people that come to take their vacation want to explore. So if you have a marine biologist, a professional, so to say, um, on board, then, you know, um, we're there to inform and, uh, and you know, you so many people coming to my office, like, what's this? What's that? Like, la, 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 you know, wanting to know sorts of things. So it makes sense. So the, the function of a marine biologist for a resort is not necessarily to make sure that whatever activity is taking place at the resort is not uh, too harmful for the marine environment around the resort it's more to to entertain tourists or to educate tourists so to say it, it, it very much depends on the resort because i've got experiences also from fellow marine biologists at different resorts um so I mean, I can only speak about my the resort I was at. Um, so basically, um, I know that for me, my main role was to be a snorkeling guide. So it's not really a job for marine biologists, you know. Um, but to them, it's a sort of like a selling point. If uh, if you take people on a on a snorkeling tour with manta rays, with sea turtles, and everything with somebody who actually knows something about the ecosystem and the animals in it and stuff. So, I mean, I would, I would seize the opportunity to obviously to, to try and get through to people about, you know, how to act, how not to act, um, or like how to behave, how not to behave, uh, um, you know, what they're seeing and just show them the beauty of it because I mean, to me, it's something that I'm so familiar with that sometimes I forget that most people have absolutely no relationship to these ecosystems and to these animals. And um, yeah, I don't really know um, how to behave around them. And um, so, you know, it was at least it was good because um, anytime and I would have to do snorkeling trips pretty much on a daily basis, um, mornings and afternoons and stuff, you know. Um, so it was always good to talk to people because most of them, I feel, learned something new or, um, yeah, were interested, you know. I mean, a lot of them don't speak English because we, uh, we get a lot of uh, Chinese, like a lot of Asians, um, at least at our resort. I think it varies from resort to resort. Uh, some are more popular with different crowds, you know. Um, but yeah, so that was mostly that. But then also... You have different tasks, like um, I, from what I know, most of the resorts collaborate with um, two different, at least two different NGOs. There's one that's called the Olive Ridley Project, which, um, well, Olive Ridley is a species of turtle. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, out of seven sea turtles, like there, there exist seven species of sea turtle in the world, out of which six are known to be threatened by extinction. Um, and the olive ridley turtles are turtles that are not um, local to the Maldives, um, but they do pass through 
um, seasonally because they're, from what I know, they're on the way to India to, or like somewhere else to, to, um, to uh, lay their eggs, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so they come with the currents and it's sort of like on large, large migrations. I mean, thousands of kilometers, no? And because the current that comes through the Maldives is quite strong coming from West Africa, um, uh, East Africa, um, it brings a lot of garbage and a lot of ghost nets. So, you know, uh, fishing material and fishing nets that have been lost at sea, which happens way more than people think. Uh, and turtles get entangled in it. And once it gets entangled in it, it cannot dive down, so it cannot feed or, you know, it, it just, a lot of them get very badly injured or die from it. Um, so you can, you find quite a lot. So what we do basically, um, this, this project, um, uh, collects data on a bunch of things, you know, so you, do you know how to identify turtles individually? So, you know, no, most people don't. So I'm just asking. So basically, uh, you have a turtle in mind, you know what they look like, a sea turtle. Yes. So scales all over, like on their carapace and they have scales even on their, on their faces, no? Mm-hmm. So fingerprint, if you look at the sides of turtles' faces, these scales, will be different in every single turtle. It's like a fingerprint. So if you take pictures of the turtle sites and you collect the database basically, then you'll be able to identify the turtle every time, you know? So basically I have uh, my house reef um, by my resort. So every time I went out um, on snorkeling, um, snorkeling tours with the clients and everything, I would take pictures of all the turtles and so over time, you know, this has been done at our resort for uh, for like several years, at least six, seven, eight years now. So there's quite a large database and there's turtles that you can see throughout the years that just are always there, you know, and some that are there for a while and then disappear, you don't know why. Um, some juvenile ones that settle into the reef, the hawksbill turtles, which are the turtles that you'll find there the most. Hawksbill turtles, they are turtles that when they're very small, um, so, you know, when they're born and like this, um, usually, uh, well, it, it, it's still a little bit of a mystery where like tiny turtles go, but they float with the currents basically. And then once they reach a certain size and stuff, they settle on a reef, um, you know, to grow. So basically you will see really tiny little turtles like this that are just reaching juvenile stage and um, so you know you document and um, all these data later um, go to go to that project so they collect massive data from everyone from every resort um, and they also have the adopt a turtle pro- uh, project so basically all these turtles that we have um, when we register them if they're new they just get a generic code but if somebody wants to help, they can adopt a turtle. So it's a certain fee. Um, and um, and then you get you get like a little turtle toy and then you get a picture of your turtle. And then every time I recite this turtle, they get an email like with a picture, you know, like here we've seen, you know, um, Kim, la, 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 la. Or we've seen Morty, la, 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 you know, so. Yeah, that's what they do as well. And so you collaborate, like you you donate to this project basically. And it's sweet because a lot of people are like, oh, I'm gonna get this for my nephew. I'm gonna get this for my, you know, they love turtles. So 
And then you have the manta ray project, uh, which collects the same. So manta rays also have a way of identifying them individually. Do you know how? Do you know what a manta ray looks like? Uh, is is it is it some, no? I I can Google it and put it on the screen share. Yeah, because uh, I feel like a lot of people know what turtles are, <laughs> but um, maybe they have never heard of a manta ray before. Oh my! Some of the most charismatic uh, marine megafauna there is, for sure. Right, right. That's outstanding. Is that it? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So manta rays are magnificent creatures. A lot of people are scared of them when they first come to our resort, but because they can grow up to like five, seven meters in wingspan, they're gigantic, but they don't have any teeth. In fact, they're, they're filters. So they just filter the seawater. They're super gentle and they're super sensitive. So near the resort I was working at, we had a hotspot where they would come and see seasonally with the current to um, to a cleaning station. So all these mm -hmm. big animals, they have cleaning stations in the water where they pass through and there's like little critters, like little shrimps and stuff and little other fish that feed off the growth that they have on their bodies. Like it's, it's mutually beneficial because, you know, they feed off the, the crap and uh, the mantas and the sea turtles get cleaned, basically. Mm -hmm. so in any case, so you see these spots, you can see on the pictures here, they have spots on their belly. Yep. Yeah, so every manta will have a different pattern spot uh, of spots. And that's also like a fingerprint. So if you manage to get pictures of the belly, basically, and then you submit, you'll be able to identify every manta individually. So that's how they track them because mantas are also very migratory. They travel quite large distances. Um, these mantas um, stay within the Maldives, but just travel a lot among atolls. No, they travel where, where the food is basically. No? So when uh, the currents half a year go one way and then the other half a year go the other way. So they just kind of follow the currents to where the, where the currents are taking their food, you know? So that's how it goes. Do they have natural predators? Yeah, um, sharks mostly. Whoa. So, yeah, I mean, when they're born, they're smaller than those. They're maybe born at maybe like a meter or a meter and a half or so big. And I mean, a lot of you can see some of them. I've seen some of them with like bites in their tail, um, but they still they still grow like it's fine. Um, but mostly, I mean, mostly the biggest problem to them is that. Um, I've seen a lot of them with uh, wounds from engine strikes because these are animals that um, feed on the surface and they spend a lot of time on the surface and um, yeah so you know there is a heavy amount of boat traffic in the Maldives because every resort will you know take their people back and forth and back and forth there's so much boat traffic so I've seen a ridiculous amount of mantas that have wounds you know, some worse than others uh, on their on on their back from clearly engine strikes because they have like you know like the stripes, so it's like an engine passing over it. You can also see that in turtles a lot, like any animal that comes to the surface a lot. You know, so yeah. Why is the why is the focus specifically on those two types of? animals living in the sea on the turtle and on the man on, on on the manta ray is is there any particular reason because it's, um, 
Yeah, they're just like some of the more charismatic and more threatened uh, species over there. So, you know, there's a lot of um, tourism about around um, manta rays and sea turtles. Um, and, and there's some of like manta rays are threatened by extinction, sea turtles are threatened by extinction. And there are some of the animals that face the most uh, anthropogenic um, impact there from different sources, you know, like there's a tourism because as much like you, you got to consider though, the Maldives is a country that has made shark and ray fishing completely illegal. Um, so it's like a shark sanctuary. They're not supposed to um, be fishing. Not that it doesn't happen illegally, like in everywhere else in the world, but it's supposed to be illegal. Um, so, you know, manta rays are not supposed to be, uh, at least they're left alone in that regard. But like I said, um, boat traffic is a problem. Tourism is sort of a problem in the sense that, and I've seen it with my own, with, with my own customers, so to say, that people are so, you know, it's such a social media world that everyone just like wants to see a manta ray and get their pretty picture and get as close as possible because it's so cool to have touched a manta ray. But what you don't, you should leave these animals alone. So, because I've, I've spent a lot of time with them in the water, no, in the sense that I know how they behave and they're very, very sensitive. But they're also very curious animals. So I've seen them. If I was alone with them in the water, or only with like a few people that were very quiet and well behaved and like calm, they will stick around. They're super curious and they'll play with you. Like I've seen them dance for me. You know, like they do these little dances where they go to the surface and like wing around you know and like do like uh like a circle and stuff like that you know and um they don't mind they're very intelligent creatures but most of the time if you have hot spots where people where the resorts know they will find manta rays most likely every resort in the area will come to the same place at the same time with tons of people so i would set a limit like i would never take more than maximum 10 people and I was very strict <laughs> because, you know, I do not care so much about, I want them to have a good experience, but more than anything, I want the mantis to be safe and to not feel like uh, this is not a good, like safe spot for me anymore. Like I don't want the, them to be harassed, you know? So yeah. you should never touch a wild animal. You should never, you know, chase a wild animal. This is all things that they have been, they have observed in the last few years that every year there's fewer and fewer manta rays coming to the spot. And there's reasons for that, you know. So mm -hmm. if they see that they cannot spend time in peace there, they will start avoiding these places. So, you know, you don't, so you're, you're sort of changing their behavior and this might have an effect on their populations, on their feeding behavior or whatever, you know. So you don't want that. And people need to comprehend that, that they're, you know, animals are not just there to take pretty videos and pretty, they're not there to serve them. So we're lucky to, to be able to see them and to spend time with them. But most resorts, you know, they just want to make money off of it. So it's like, oh, take as many people as you can. And then you have a lot of tourists that are just very disrespectful in the water. Like they just dive down, try to chase it, try to, you know, have no patience at like pushing each other. And then just getting as close as possible to the animal and not giving it space and everything. Well, it's like, if you just float on the surface, not moving and just calmly, the animal, even if it, because they swim in circles, even if it swims away, will come back around most of the time, you know? Just have to be patient and calm. Um, 
But yeah, so in any case, um, some of the like biggest attraction in the Maldives, it's obviously marine wildlife. And then you have that, the mantas, the sea turtles and the whale sharks. But in my atolls, there it's very rare to see a whale shark. So that was not a big concern here. It's in other areas of the mm -hmm. Maldives. Got yeah. it. And one thing that I found particularly interesting uh, about what you've mentioned is that the current from you said East Africa is quite strong and it carries a lot of crap and which hits Maldives. It, how is that impacting the, you know, the, the marine environment on the islands? And is there anything that people are trying to do with, with to, you know, prevent it on in, in Maldives, honestly, but also more generally? Honestly, from what I've seen, no. So basically, the problem with the Maldives is that, so imagine tourism there started quite late, no? Because it's like a very fancy place. So it used to be just a very humble island life, sort of, you know, nation until tourism and like high-end tourism hit. But this started slowly what, in the 70s or 80s or so. And back in the days, like the first hotels I know had a policy of whatever trash you bring in, you take back with you. Because mm -hmm. they don't have any facilities or anything, no? So what are they gonna do? They, they, didn't have, they didn't have plastic at the time. So in any case, this started to become bigger, no? So now, can imagine that the Maldives has a population of roughly half a million people, plus the amount of tourism that they have on a daily basis. And um, so by now, one of the biggest problems they're facing is plastic bottles, just for mm -hmm. drinking, obviously. Um, and, you know, all sorts of like uh, single-use plastic items, like plastic bags and all of that, but mainly plastic bottles. So essentially now, obviously, that policy of take your trash back with you doesn't exist anyway you cannot do that in a five-star resort no so they've got the following options um either they dump it in the sea which supposedly nobody should be doing but i know it happens or else there's this island and i forgot the name of it it's like a fake island that they created as sort of a landfill um, oh my god La I don't remember the name, but in any case, so most resorts take their crap and put it there. So it's a landfill kind of island, no? Um, which, you know, it's just, I, I guess cannot hold everything forever. Uh, and now, um, from what I think I know is there's, there is one organization trying to implement changes when it comes to like plastic consumption. Um, and there is, um, there is yeah there you go Jesus there, there is a there is a recycling facility just for plastic bottles now but it is small and it cannot process everything and the only other option they have is to you know take all their trash and ship it to you know recycling facilities which they're not going to do because it's expensive honestly like you would have to ship it to china or whatever <clears throat> so in the end, it's not worth it. So most of it just gets thrown in, um, you know, in the landfill. So essentially, the one problem they have is they have just they have a very high consumption of of single-use plastics, and they have little, very little, developed very little conscience on the problem around it. 
it's not really their fault because there's not enough education. And to them, since it's all water, I've seen people throw plastic bottles off the off the boats just left and right, you know, without just like plastic finished plastic bottle, throw it in the water. So there it disappears, you know, and I've seen that a lot. I've seen them fish and then just cut the line and throw it in the water. I've seen them do a lot of shit. Um, so it, it's a problem because one, I've seen a gigantic amount of fishing line entangled in coral reefs in the Maldives, which I haven't seen other places. I've seen full garbage bags float by, which I assume boats must have just thrown off. And just like, you know, once it's in the sea, people forget about it. I've seen so much trash float, float by. Um, I know that a lot of resorts So dump their food hello yeah i think we just had a glitch okay well i can't see uh, well i've seen i know that resorts like a lot of most of these resorts have like um, buffets no so mm -hmm. where there's buffets there's a lot of food waste obviously so all this food waste um has to go somewhere so most of the resorts will actually just throw their food waste in the water. So it should be only organic stuff. It's not, it's not like it's great if every resort is throwing away all their, you know, food trash, which is not really great food sources, into the water. It's not great. But the problem is that once I started realizing that, hey, okay, they're doing this. So I went out with the boat to see where they're dumping it and like what else is getting caught? And I came back, like I, I went with like a small net and, and a box to just fish out any item that wasn't food and came back with a full box of like plastic. So it's like, you know, they just, they just don't really care. They put everything in it. They shouldn't, but they do. Um, so this happens every single day, you know? And then there's the added problem of, yes, if there's a strong current coming from elsewhere, currents pick up all the trash on the way and just, you know, bring it through so it's yeah. not necessarily all trash that just comes originates in the Maldives because it's not a problem inherent to the Maldives it's a problem everywhere um and mostly like I said what we call ghost nets so mm -hmm. for anyone who doesn't know the term ghost net is is what we call any sort of fishing net that has broken off or that has been abandoned or has been thrown into the water and is no longer used but obviously is still fishing unintentionally mm -hmm. because it's a net so they come with the current and you know catch whatever is in the way um so that is a big problem just for like i said for marine life um it comes through there so they have there's certain resorts and certain islands that have like uh, rehabilitation centers for sea turtles and stuff um and i know they're always at full capacity like i think they 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 get or like at least in the last I don't want to, I don't quite remember the numbers, but I know it was at least over 400 turtles in the last few years or so, you know. So it's just quite a lot. And in terms of the eco ecosystem, where do the turtles fit in into that? How, how are they, you know, why are they important for the ecosystem? Because that's something I'm trying to uh, figure out. But for the fact that obviously, you know, um they've been there I mean, always so you need yes to... as any animal like there's absolutely no animal in nature that doesn't have a certain role in its ecosystem 
Um, so if it's for one reason or the other, but you know, it's like anything um, in any ecosystem, uh, it's, it's all basically about eat and be eaten so that the homeostasis or mm -hmm. the balance in the ecosystem can be maintained. So, you know, ideally, uh, you know, you have your bigger predators, you have your meser, like medium predators, you have smaller fish, you have your plankton, your seagrass, your algae, whatever, all these uh, organisms that kind of follow a structure. So that's where turtles fit in as well. Like turtles um, depends on the species primarily feed either on on uh, sponges or certain um, like sea grasses or algae or on jellyfish or whatever. So, um, you know, were turtles not there, then all of these organisms would take over, you know, it's just all about keeping certain species in check. So it's like with anything you remove a top predator from its environment, then whatever they're eating will be like, oh, okay, nobody's eating us. So they feel free to reproduce. And then, you know, whatever they're eating becomes less because the balance is off. So, you know, turtles that are about the same. Okay, that, yeah, that, that actually makes perfect sense. What mm -hmm. I was also thinking is, I think it was actually you that told me this because it seems obvious, but it, it's only obvious once it, you kind of clock that they don't have in Maldives, right? Like in, let's say, Europe, where you have sewer and public, you know, you open your tap and the, there's water running and it goes through pipes and everything. They don't really have, I mean, they probably have water in their taps and everything, but they don't have this, the sewer system as, as we know it in other, in other places, right? So they need to no, ship all course, their drinking water. Yeah, so all their drinking water comes, obviously, as purified, like, um, yeah, comes in plastic bottles. I know that, like, some resorts are making effort, and I know that the resort where I was at had a plan of installing a desalination plant. Mm. So basically, you know, making your own water. At least I'm not sure that it would be good for drinking but at least for showers and stuff because i've been other places like i mean it's a problem that all islands kind of face no most of small islands like in the bahamas where i was also the the research station had a desalination plant sort of that they use not to to produce drinking water but at least for showering and mm -hmm. um, you know washing like and stuff like that yeah so at least there's stuff that you can do, you know, it's just, it's a slow change and um, you have to keep up. Um, yeah, but it's, I honestly, to be fair, I don't even know what they used to do way before. Like I should inquire like how they, how they used to drink, like what <laughs> back in the 60s or 70s where they got their water from. I'm not sure if, if it's just all purely coconut based because I mean, it's a coconut nation they have an insane amount of coconut trees so i guess you can keep yourself hydrated with coconut water <laughs> but wow, um, that's actually an interesting question so because the because the islands are most of them are very tiny right so you won't have any creeks or little... no no you absolutely there's no island with fresh water there there's just one in in the south formula i know because they also grow like watermelons and stuff something that you could never grow anywhere else so i think they have like uh like not a lake i want to say but like a mudflat or something 
but I don't think any, like none of these islands have freshwater sources. It's literally like mm. no, not there, you know. Um, but they do have a very high amount of coconut. I don't know. <laughs> That's how they sorted out. Okay, fair. So we we have kind of covered one one limb, so to say, that the tourism impact on on Maldives. But you've also mentioned that the the natural environment is affected by global warming what 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 do you right. mean by that oh well this is just a global thing no like i mean especially for the maldives who like i said is such a water nation it affects them because tropical waters are so basically if the main thing sustaining biodiversity in the maldives are coral reefs because coral reefs are one of those ecosystems that sustain about one fourth of the biodiversity in the water, you know? So they're, they're rare. They only cover about 1% of the ocean floor, but they do sustain 25% of all wildlife. Really? Yeah. So they're massively important. However, coral reefs are, um, so most people wouldn't think that, but corals are actually animals. They don't look like it. They look like, stones or plants or you don't know but they're um they're animals or the tiny little polyps that create colonies and they sim symbolize i don't know if that's the word but they kind of host these algae inside their cells so they're hosting um yeah algae um and this is a symbiosis that kind of benefits both of them because the algae gets protection and it's creating it's doing photosynthesis so it's creating food and energy for the coral. So it doesn't really need to feed that much. You know, it can feed itself, but it gets most of its food from or energy from the algae. So basically these, these animals or the corals can only exist in a very narrow temperature range. Um, most of the coral species, there are some cold water species, but most coral species have a very narrow temperature range. They can mm -hmm. exist. In. So once temperatures, like water temperatures hit more than 30 degrees, more or less, um, for extended periods of time, because you know it can happen that every now and then you get a heat wave for like a week or so, they will, they will be able to sustain that. But what's been happening is that temperatures have been rising um, more often and for extended periods of time. So what this causes is it causes massive amount of heat stress and it's like, it's like, imagine getting sick, you know, and then you don't have the energy anymore. So what they do is they, they expel the algae that's mm -hmm. living inside them. So if you pour, if you, that's what we call coral bleaching. So if mm -hmm. you ever hear of coral bleaching, it's a phenomenon that's associated with the warming of water temperatures. And then basically the coral becomes all white. So when you start seeing that, it's like, oh, something's not going, something's going on. Uh, it's still the, the whiteness is still the coral tissue that's still alive, but it's about to die because it's going to starve to death, basically, because without the algae in its tissue, it will not be able to feed itself enough or get enough energy. So it's the fourth stage basically to death most of the time, you know. And then what you see right now in the Maldives is many different, like, depends on the area, but where I was, especially uh, more in the north, it has been hit pretty severely because there was. Um, a few years, like 2014 and 2016, from what I know, that were extremely hot. 
and so it just wiped out all the corals. So you just see, to to people that don't know, they will go there and they will still see so much fish, like so much more than you expect. That it will still be like, wow, it's amazing. No, it's like so cool, and it is, but it's nowhere near what it used to be. Nowhere near because. Because a coral reef that's dead cannot sustain the species that it could be before, you know. So I know because there's there's customers, there's tourists that come through there and come to the same island year after year after year. And I knew I talked to some people they've been going there for like 15, 20 years every year, and they showed me pictures of the coral reefs like 15 years back, you know. And there was no point of comparison; like it was absolutely dead now, really? you know. Like the color palette was just absolutely off. And um, this is something that happens everywhere. It's not just in the Maldives, you know, like um, coral, massive coral death is something that's happening pretty much everywhere. It's very concerning. So, yeah. I have two questions to you. My, uh, first one is, what, why exactly uh, reefs are so important for sustaining other marine life? Uh, how, uh, what exactly? They, they produce food? I'm just not, not sure. Yeah, they, like it's it's like anything. So um, basically, it, it's like many of these ecosystems provide different things. It's, they provide shelter, like a sort of structure, because otherwise you have only what barren sand, you know. So it's like t- it creates tiny little cities. Mm-hmm. So you can see it's it's curious because like you can literally see because I would go to the same roof roof uh, the same reef every day. You can see the same exact fish hanging out at the same spot every day. You know, like they have the spots they prefer. Um, so it's like a tiny little city. So it provides them shelter uh, and it does provide them food because so many like different organisms um, find a place to live there. Um, it's also a place to hunt and stuff. You know, it's like all goes together. So Got it. Got it. And my second question was, or is I should say, why when the temperature rise, the the al- algae is expelled from or ejected? However, you oh, I'm I'm that. no I'm no expert on on coral physiology. I just know that it happens. Okay, fair. Um, but I fair. don't know if it's like just a stress reaction. You know, like like us when we're really sick and we can't really eat or, or anything and we just you know like just expel foreign maybe it's just because it's it's like a foreign body so they can't i don't know maybe it 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 takes more energy in that moment than it than it takes i don't i honestly uh, i'm just making assumptions but uh, i'm no expert on that uh. I actually read before before this, I was reading that they are using those kind of like electrical uh, coral to re- regenerate coral reefs. I don't, uh, especially on, in Maldives, the, 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 they are setting yeah. those, yeah, they're setting those cones, which are sending those um, electrical signals. And this is speeding up the regeneration of corals. Uh, interesting well you can send me you can send me that because i don't know that i've read anything about something like that i mean there's a lot of efforts for coral regeneration going on in general like um you know because um trying to uh, sort of um produce corals resistant and 
tropical corals also are very, 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 very slow growers. So, you know, most of these massive coral reefs have taken hundreds, hundreds of years to, to get to, to where they are, you know, like they grow incredibly slowly, most mm. of them. So, you know, and it's so easy, like that's another problem. Like you see a lot of these tourists uh, that came through that just really are, I don't know that they're being disrespectful. They just don't know better, but they they hit on the corals, you know, the corals break up easily. So you see like them standing on the corals or hitting the corals and stuff like that while the swim is like breaking my heart inside because mm. you know that a piece like that will take, you know, decades to regenerate. And um it should be heartbreaking. Um yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of efforts of like a lot of a lot of resorts to like coral nurseries and stuff. And yeah, I mean, we'll see. But you know, it's all in any case, it's all in vain if if you know water like extreme events of like rising temperatures keep happening. So you can have two years where that are good, and then. They started growing, but you know, there's another wave going again. So there's a few species that are more resilient than others. Like you can very much see um, that some of the acorn corals, uh, like more branchy, are all dead. While some of the some of the the thick um, what are they called, like mushroom corals, or like some of the more mm -hmm. like boulder corals uh, are. Pretty much in good health. I think you're frozen. Oh, yeah, I you. froze. Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, um, that's, uh, no, that's okay. Yeah. No, it's, um, so it's yeah, fine. but like all in all, all, all in all, it's, it's a beautiful location. Um, you know, like the Maldives, it's very, uh, it's very diverse. It's it's beautiful, especially like diving there you'll see a lot it has so much biodiversity it's just and i mean a lot of it is just global problems that it's not it's not like i said innate to the maldives it's just problems that most countries are facing especially like tropical and uh, heavy tourism countries and stuff like that you know so but yeah it's just uh, i think um, people who go there just need to be a little bit more conscious because it's not just that the Maldivians need to maybe change their approach. It's also the tourists because I've seen it and I've and I've been around tourists that whole time and I know that they're just I don't know they're on vacation and a lot of them are a little bit entitled in their relation to to nature and to you know wildlife. As I'm like, well, I'm here and um, if I pay for it, I should get what I pay for. Yeah. You know, stuff like that nature just doesn't work that way and um yeah it doesn't bend to your will so you need to be respectful of what's out there and just um you know if you're lucky enough uh, be there just enjoy 